The Some News Podcast is filmed in front of a live studio audience. They just never laugh. Mr. Stephen Allen's SomeNews.co.uk, the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Some News Podcast number 34. Yep, I'm in a good mood. The Some News Live show is going to be on at the Edinburgh Fringe, which makes all of this seem a little bit more legit. Well, no, I mean, Edinburgh's great. But doing it is a bit like spending your year's savings on scratch cards. You just got to lose a ton of money, but you do it because there's that slim chance you might be the one who gets lucky. And also, like playing scratch cards, doing Edinburgh goes hand in hand with having drink problems. I should be right this year, my gig is in a stage space below a coffee shop. I know, me working at a coffee shop, that's like Kerry Katona working in a fridge. Yeah, she did work for Iceland, no wonder she struggled. No, I'm not being harsh, but it was in the news that she had another tummy tuck recently, and she used to be a lot bigger a few years ago, and that was when she was allegedly doing cocaine. Well, if she was on coke and still a size 18, she must have been eating most of Iceland's profits. Anyway, the live show is on at 5.30pm every day. Email podcast at somenews.co.uk for details. So, in this edition, the Olympics come to town... We're still in a recession, and I'm afraid we have to deal with 50 shades of grey. Let's crack on. Mr. Stephen Allen's Some News Podcast. The main news. The Olympics, the 30th Olympiad, or whatever it's called, is finally happening. Oh, it was a long time coming. It was seven years ago that we heard we'd beaten Paris to become the host of London 2012, which was fortunate because they would have hated the name. Uh, back then, I did think we wouldn't win much. But I've changed my mind now, actually. Because thanks to last year's riots, most of our young folk have sportswear. As a nation, we were quite sceptical. But Boris Johnson pointed out, as the Olympic torch went through a town or a village, it made the people in there become excited about the event. Which made me think, what were they burning in that torch? A little bit torch, a little bit peace pipe, you know what I'm saying? We had some good reasons to be sceptical. For a while, it looked like we were going to be over budget. It was a big expense at a time of recession, and only a few weeks ago, we heard that the government hadn't sorted out the security. They hired security form G4S, who didn't bother to train enough of their staff in time. But how much training did they really need? I mean, if you've got a ticket for the Olympics, you get in. If you don't, you don't. It's as simple as that, isn't it? It's not like they're nightclub bouncers who have to make a judgment call. I mean, nightclub bouncers have to stop people who've had too much to drink. It's not like watching sport gets you wasted. Sorry, sir, you're not getting in. But I have a ticket. I think you've seen one too many events tonight. What do you mean, seen one too many? I think you've had enough. I've barely watched any sport today. I, a little bit. I watched a little bit of uh, ping pong. Uh, that's not even a sport. That's just ping pong. Nah, off you go. Ah, oh, well, I'll find another Olympics. Didn't even want to see your stupid reach volleyball. Right, next. Oh, oh, sorry, mate. I don't care if you are Usain Bolt. You're not getting in with those trainers. They called in the army to replace the security, which should certainly do it, I'd say. The G4S guys would have had badges, lanyards, clipboards. The soldiers have tanks. That's going to stop anyone pushing in front of people in the queue. But not everyone has been convinced that we can pull this off. U.S. presidential candidate Mitt Romney was interviewed about it, and he said... You know, it's hard to know just how well it will turn out. Will turn out. There are a few things that were disconcerting. The stories about the uh, private security firm not having enough people. Uh, the su- supposed strike of the immigration and customs officials. That obviously is not something which is encouraging. Oh, no, he didn't. 
Well, he did. I mean, you just heard it. Our culture secretary, Jeremy Hunt, sprang to our defence and he said... Eight of the world's top ten sports were either invented or codified in Britain and only two in America. Hmm? How'd you like them apples, America? Well, America might not have invented many sports, but they did invent yo mama jokes. So Mick came back to Jeremy with this. Well, yo mama is so bad at sports. When she plays a round of golf... She plays a round of golf. That joke doesn't technically make sense, but it's a free podcast. Uh, But the opening ceremony was the one thing that got everyone on board. It was created by film director Danny Boyle. A lot of people thought it would just be some bloke with his arm trapped under the Olympic cauldron for 127 hours while he waits for his mate Spider-Man to save him. But it wasn't. It was a massive spectacle. And it started like this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to London and to the Games of the 30th Olympiad. To open our ceremony, Olympic cyclist, member of Team GB and Britain's first winner of the Tour de France, Bradley Wiggins. Bradley Wiggins opened the Olympics wearing a jersey. It's an official event, sir. At least go smart casual. The ceremony itself was amazing. I mean, it covered Britain from Victorian times through Industrial Revolution, World Wars, the 60s, and on to modern times. And interestingly, if you watch the opening ceremony, you now qualify for a seat at GCSE. It's just the way things are. Uh, Many people wondered if Danny Boyle could compete with what the Chinese did. And I think Danny may have got a little bit annoyed with the Chinese. I think that's why he put this bit in. A volunteer cast of two and a half thousand conveying the thrill and the destruction and the fear of the Industrial Revolution when Britain became the workshop of the world. Yeah, China. We've all been the workshop of the world, just that some of us don't want to be that now, actually. So thank you very much. It's a great moment when the, uh, the industry of Great Britain produces the Olympic symbol. Dazzling beauty, the five interlocking rings representing the union of five continents and the meeting of the world's athletes at the Olympic Games. Five continents. Australia, Europe, Asia, Africa and America. Which is a bit racist because it leaves out Antarctica. I mean, come on, it's, it's 2012. Isn't it time we stopped leaving out a whole continent? I'll tell you how racist this is. Have you ever seen an episode of Midsummer Murders with someone from Antarctica in it? Hmm? Exactly. The bit that got everyone excited was this. Good evening, Swan. Good evening. James Bond, played by Daniel Craig, was the bodyguard for the Queen, played by the actual Queen. This recession must be bad when a monarch needs to take bit parts. She'll be in Casualty next, like every other actor. Or even better, she should be in this. No, Charles. You tell him. Uh, Harry, I'm not your father. Everyone loved it. Well, not everyone. I mean, I made a complaint. She has a speaking part on the BBC, and I doubt very much is a member of Equity. This government really is trying to smash the unions. And then we saw her get in a helicopter, fly into East London and parachute down into the stadium. And to be fair, that is the best way to travel during the Olympics. And if you drive into the Olympic lanes more than once, taking the helicopter actually works out cheaper. Uh, My favourite bit was the announcer. The official language of the Olympics is French, but the guy saying it was English. So when an English term came up, he said it in his English accent, like this. Veuillez accueillir Mike Oldfield, accompagné du personnel du National Health Service et de nos invités d'honneur, des patients et le personnel du Great Ormond Street Hospital. That must be so annoying to the French, because you know what it's like when you talk to a Brit who's so pretentious, they say French words in the accent. Oh, I'm a big fan of the genre, but I'm sure I've only witnessed a small tranche of it when I lived in Paris. Mm. And you're a grand knob. Either way, it was a great show, and one of two things that really showed what it is to be British. 
The other was on the first day of events, when our first medal hope in the cycling didn't even get a podium place. Now that is truly British. The somenews.co.uk podcast. Just before the Olympics makes anyone too proud of being British, I should remind us that we are still in the longest double-dip recession in 50 years. Our economy had negative growth for a third quarter. That's nine months. If you think a dip can last for nine months, you can stay the hell away from my cup of tea with your biscuits. People said that if we kept doing the things that the government was doing, uh, then we would be back in recession. And indeed, that's what happened. The government said it was all because of Europe, and then Europe managed to get themselves out of recession. Somehow we are the worst in Europe. Seeing the economic figures come in, it's like watching the Eurovision results. You think, is that is that even a country? And they're still doing better than we are. But George Osborne has said that this doesn't mean he should change course. He said, there is no alternative to Plan A. Then why call it Plan A? Just... Seems pessimistic to start, like, numbering them. It's like getting married and calling your partner your first wife. But it's okay. In the past, it looked bad that we in the West had been suffering economically because of the massive prosperity they had in the East. So this should cheer us up. China's growth has slowed, and it's lower than expected. Excellent. Well, to find out more, we're joined by our Chinese correspondent. Hello. Uh, hello, Steve. So have you been able to interview the Chinese Premier or the President? Um... I'm not sure, Steve. Not sure? What well, did you speak to Hu Jintao or Wen Jiaobo? Uh, which one's which? Who is the president? I don't know. That's why I'm asking you. No, no. The president is who? If I knew, I wouldn't be asking you. What are you on about? No, not what. Who? OK, grammar police. Who are you on about? The president. And who is the president? Yes, he is. He is what? No, who? That's what I'm trying to find out. Look, there's an easy way to settle this. One visited the West in June and the other one in January, so it, it all depends on one thing. When? When is the Premier? When is the Premier what? It's not Premier what, it's Premier when. But who is the Premier? No, who is the President, when is the Premier? What are you asking me for? I don't even know who's who, let alone what's when. No, what isn't when, but who is the President? Well, that's what I'm asking you. The President is Hu Jintao. I'm sure he's very large in Tao, whatever that means. But all I want to know is, he visited when? I'm sure he did. They work together. Who works together? Who and when? I don't know. He's on third. The somenews.co.uk podcast. Fifty Shades of Grey, the book that everyone is going on about. I remember the good old days when people would only get evangelical about the Bible. Now I had a knock on the door last Sunday from two smartly dressed women asking if I'd ever thought of S&M. I should say, I've not read it, and I won't be reading it, you dirty women. As a man, you will never catch me reading such filth. I will wait for the film. All I know about it is from a TV documentary I saw. It was called Sex Story, Fifty Shades of Grey, and it was basically chats with people, mainly women, who've read it, and we heard things like this. Call me old-fashioned, <laughs> but I don't know any women who want anal fisting of a Friday night. She's right. That's more of a Sunday thing. You need time to relax. And you can't do it straight after work. He might still be wearing his watch. Uh, the show gave us some background info. The Fifty Shades of Grey trilogy tells the story of the passionate love affair between Anastasia Steele, a virginal 21-year-old college student, and Christian Grey, a 27-year-old billionaire businessman. Hang on. He's a billionaire, he has a secret room, and he likes violence. Isn't this just Batman? Uh, some of the things I heard in the show were truly shocking. I read Fifty Shades of Grey in, it was about two days. That was Amy Childs. She can read. Oh. Now, not everyone came across as a fan. Really, it's Mills and Boone with, with butt plugs. And she's Australian. 
So does she have three pins or two pins on her plugs? Oh, either way, ouch. I'm not sure I'm ready to hear about this. And neither was Jilly Cooper. What is a gentle clump? I don't know what a gentle clump is. Gentle clamps. Is that what you get if you part your clump on a double yellow? But there's there's no fighting the success of the book. Apparently, it's been published in other languages. So far, translation rights have been sold in 41 countries. In Germany, they've already reprinted six times to keep up with the demand. Oh, they don't have a German word for mummy porn. But I've been saying this for ages. I disagree with the name of that genre. Mummy porn is something different. You know, it's something I've searched for because you get to see, well... Put it this way, animal porn isn't porn made for animals to read. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, back to the TV show. They interviewed people who work for Ann Summers, and they were telling us the kinkiest places in the UK based on increased sales. We Cardiff and Liverpool sales have doubled. <laughs> Manchester's up 60%, and then Stoke and Portsmouth sales have tripled. Our number one store. Oh, and top of the list. Wherever it is, whatever they say next, I am going to go there. Slough. I'm staying here. Uh, they talked about the use of language to describe the lady bits. There's a moment where he touches me down there. Is it down where? 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 Sort of Hades? Listen, missus, if your nickname for your chuff is Hades, have a wash. She was expected to have an orgasm on cue. Orgasm on cue? Is there a sexy snooker scene in this book I don't know about? But I found the show useful. I picked up a few tips, and that's not linked to the snooker joke. I think a lot of women secretly would like... Um, men to to be a little more dominant than they very often are. Make me a sandwich! My favourite bit of the show was when they went to Colchester to talk to a book group. Most of the women were saying the book is just a book and it's a bit of harmless fun, but not this woman. That's another area we haven't talked about, is that he disciplines her. Mm. Disciplines her. I'm, if you did this to a child or another adult, you would be imprisoned. It's assault. It's not punishment, it's assault. Grievous bodily harm, actual bodily harm. Someone doesn't get it, and I probably mean that both ways. And they even spoke to a real-life couple that did some of that BDSM stuff. Alison and her husband Michael may not inhabit a swanky Seattle penthouse, but in their Hertfordshire semi... Hertfordshire semi, lol. They embrace their own BDSM lifestyle. It's really about the dominant partner being in control. And Does he mean he gets the remote control? How is this not fantasy porn for men? In Fifty Shades of Grey, Anastasia discovers that Christian's sexual proclivities are the result of a dark secret. Christian, we learn, was the child of a crack whore mother. Yeah, and his mama was so bad at sports when she played a round of golf. Hang on, that's in the wrong bit. There was a really interesting part of the show when they talked about how, at this point in our social development, control-based porn would be so successful for women. It's massive success. It's not about naughty words. There's tons of porn out there. It's about something quite primal, and it's about a lot of women's need to be involved in non-consensual sex. The idea of being restrained, being handcuffed, being tied during sexuality is appealing because it takes responsibility away from us. And the key part there is the word fantasy. It's, a, it's taboo to talk about how a lot of women have a fantasy of non-consensual sex. But it doesn't mean they would ever want non-consensual sex. It's a fantasy and the fantasy is different. It's like me. I have a fantasy that I shoot Jedward. It doesn't mean I actually want to shoot Jedward. In the fantasy, it's just a harmless bit of fun where I shoot Jedward. But if it were to happen in real life... It's really cool. Let's go, John. We've got, a, we've got a music video to make. Oh, my God. 
What have I done? I've shot Jedward. Oh, there's going to be police. There's going to be questions. Oh, crap. Right, think, Steve, think. I've got to get rid of the bodies. I need to put them somewhere that no one will see. ITV's Daybreak Show. The SomeNews.co.uk podcast. There's a place in London that serves meat cocktails. It's a bar in Camden that's serving flesh-flavoured alcohol. It's a strange place. I mean, you know, you go out for a night of drinking and you end up with some meat in your mouth. Admittedly, a typical Friday for many. In some ways, it makes perfect sense. There are so many veggie and vegan restaurants in London, the natural order of things needs to be rebalanced and a place soon enough opens up where you drink meat. During the Olympics, they must be doing a great trade. Some of the weightlifting teams from Eastern Europe look like they drink gallons of the stuff. And it only sounds gross because we imagine things like a cold meat smoothie. If someone said to you, oxtail soup... You wouldn't run for a sick bag, so, you know, it's, it's mainly clever marketing they're doing. But it did make me think, what's the strangest meat you've ever eaten? I asked the question on Twitter, and here are some of the answers. At BigD1612 said, Strangest meat, wild boar in red wine gravy in Austria. At Itzahada said, tripe. Although I don't personally think it's strange, but I guess a lot of people may. I'm northern. I, I, we used to bathe in tripe. At the Waffer said, oryx sausage. Don't even know what that is. You see, I'm, I'm learning from this. Or wildebeest cordon bleu. At MS Cafmel said, uh, so many naughty answers. I've settled with ostrich burger at our local farmer's market. I hope you didn't get the naughty answers from the farmer's market as well. What do they do at these things? At Rob YC84 said, a kebab from down the town. Hashtag, I'm not reading that one out, but yes, looks like he suffered the morning after. At SEO underscore trot, zebra. I was only young at the time and nearly cried because I was so scared to eat it. Oh, bless. At Floopy Cupcake, I've tried ostrich meat. It tastes like fishy chicken. Or someone sold you some fishy chicken and put the word ostrich on it. At Verox said, uh, chicken comb and brain in chicken soup. Yum. Ugh. Don't know what it is, but it sounds gross. At underscore Snedders, reindeer whilst dog sledding in the Arctic. At Stewpot, Already your username is part of the answer. He said, my boss picks up roadkill, skins and guts it, and throws it on the barbecue. He will eat anything. And he probably has worms. Good luck to him. At planet underscore leasty, I had deep fried locusts or possibly cicada in Cambodia. So I bet you had something else as well. At Bagpuss 71, kangaroo and crocodile in an Australian restaurant in Manchester. That sounds glamorous. Uh, the roux tasted like chicken, the croc like tough monkfish. At Ian Soley, has to be spam. Nothing wrong with a bit of spam. At D. Katie Higgins, does shark count? Is that even weird? It depends. I mean, especially if you, if you caught it yourself, it does. And at Red Stance said, kangaroo, and it was vile. The somenews.co.uk podcast. That's it for another episode. Check out somenews.co.uk. Get the e-newsletter, the Android app, or come along to the live show if you are at the Edinburgh Fringe. Uh, any emails to podcast at somenews.co.uk. Follow on Twitter at Mr. Stephen Allen and subscribe via iTunes. And uh, that, it's a long enough list now. I will speak to you next time. Bye. The Some News Podcast. Get more at somenews.co.uk.